Okay, so now, um, so we had someone from the uh, Department of Rehabilitation, Casey, and, you know, and uh, Social Security. Now we told you that you can earn as much money as you want during your trial period. So earn a million and share some with me. <laughs> and um, so, and then Carmen came and you know and, and told you about what are the marketable skills and um, transferable skills that you could use in seeking for a job. And um, so now we will have uh, four people who will come and talk to you now and, and just share with not really talk to you but share with you. Um, what their experiences are in finding a job. These are people who are blind and who are employed right now and had been employed for a long time, and they will share with you their um, experience in how they found their job, how they keep themselves marketable, um, how they keep themselves competitive out there. It's a tough world right now. So um, the first one I will ask to come up is Carissa Rich Creek. Good afternoon. Um, my name is Clarissa Ridgecrick. I'm currently working with Social Security as a telephone service representative. I'm, I work at the uh, Los Ange- downtown Los Angeles um, call center, and I'm one of the people that answer your calls when you call the uh, 800 number, 800-772-1213. And uh, our job is to uh, answer your questions about your benefits, how to become eligible for benefits, and um, questions about your overpayments, <laughs> how to resolve them. So we're there to assist the um, local offices, because most of the time when you call the uh, the local offices, they're usually are pretty busy, so you probably won't be able to get through. So the 800 call center was um, created to assist the uh, local offices answer some of most of your questions. Um, I, I'm totally blind, and I lost my eyesight when in a car accident about 20 years ago. I was had perfect vision at, at the time, and because of that car accident, I lost everything. So I have to start over. Um, I was already working when I lost my eyesight, so I, it was a very a traumatic experience, but I decided to move from there and regain some of the the things that I can do before. So the first thing I did was to get some training. To get um, the first thing that I, I what my family did was to uh, get a tutor for me to learn Braille, and um, I. Uh, Probably received about 20 hours of training in how to read and write in Braille, and then from there I just did it on my own and started practicing how to read faster and how to write. And Braille was very instrumental in in my um, entry into the job market because I was able to take notes, <clears throat> I was able to uh, write down numbers that I need, information that I would. Uh, be easier to to access to retrieve, um, and the other thing that I did was to look for a school that would also help me uh, 
develop my independent living skills, like traveling with a cane, how to orient myself when I'm at a certain place, and, and things like that. And those are the things that I needed in order for me to get back to work. <clears throat> my, when I first came here to the United States, I'm not familiar with the job market here and uh, how, you know, how do they do their resumes and stuff like that. In the Philippines, where I came from, we, we call it resume before. They, they do call it resumes now. That's the common term. But before we had like biodata and cur- curriculum vitae and stuff like that. And we, the, the more pages that you have on your resume, you're, the better in getting a job. But I, when I came here, I learned that the more concise your resume is, the better. You have to be able to present your skills in a in a one either one page or two page uh, paper, so the employer can see all at once what you can offer. So that's the other thing that I did when I came here was to revise my 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 resume. I started uh, talking to people, asking them how can I present my skills better. Um, so I went through different people. They gave me suggestions on how to to prepare my my resume, and eventually I was able to to get a job. I also sought the help of uh, uh, some organizations like the Braille Institute was very instrumental in assisting me in getting my first job here. Uh, my first job was a, as a customer service representative with a bank. That's with the Bankers Trust. We were handling the uh, 401k plans of different companies. So we basically the bank is the administrator of those plans, and they have a call center that, and we have customer service that would answer questions from employees of the different companies that has those those plans. And I had to uh, learn how to use the computer, use JAWS, and um, my, the Braille came in again because I had the Braille display that helped me uh, read and uh, get the information faster so I can assist the callers. And uh, with my job at uh, Social Security, those, those skills also came in handy because w- with Social Security, you have, to, you have to learn a lot of information and at the same time, the procedures, you have to be familiar with the procedures so you can assist the, the callers in whatever they need. And um, so right now, as, as, a, as a telephone service representative with Social Security, I still try to maintain those skills, try to upgrade them if I can. And even within Social Security, they do encourage you to always be mindful of your career path. So they encourage you to uh, always review your resume, look at the, the skills that you can uh, bring to the table. They encourage you to do volunteer work so you can move up um, in the agency. There are a lot of opportunities within the agency and even outside the agency, and they do encourage you to uh, participate in those. There's also what they call uh, leadership development programs, you can sign up with uh, those programs. Um, you will, it's like applying for another job. You will have to present your resume. They have a, 
they have a form that they call the uh, SA45, where you can always update, you know, your skills, whatever um, training that you've gone through or volunteer jobs that you did within the agency. So those are the things that can help you move up the, the ladder. And that's it. Thank you. Thank you, Carissa. Did you guys have any questions for Carissa? She walked away right away. <laughs> Did you guys have any questions for her? No? Okay. So the next person that we're, um, who's sharing with you his uh, experience, his life story, <laughs> is Robert Steigl. All right. Good afternoon. As you probably know by now, I'm Robert Steigl. <laughs> now that you know my name, <clears throat> so I am a recreation assistant for Northridge Recreation Center, which is just down the street from here. Uh, actually, the employer is the city of Los Angeles, and I have been working there for approximately four years now. <clears throat> So, but to back up a little, um, I first started working there uh, back in the early 90s while I was going to school at the time. Um, I ended up going to Cal State Northridge and getting a um, Bachelor of Science degree in therapeutic recreation. And, of course, it was a degree at the time that <clears throat> rehab said that there weren't any blind people in the field, so um, we don't want to uh, fund that degree. And so after lots of battling and appeals and so forth, I was able to get rehab. At the it's different now, I'm sure, but then uh, my rehab counselor didn't want to fund it. So um, after appeals and so forth, I was able to get rehab to realize that Maybe there aren't any blind people doing it, but maybe that's because it's a field that is new and they're not, um, uh, you know, maybe a blind person isn't really aware of it yet. So um, I ended up going through it and getting my degree. Um, <clears throat> and when I graduated CSUN, I left, uh, the, I was working for Northers Park at that time. And so I left there and went to an, another park that had a, therapeutic recreation program at the time, which is Conejo Valley Unified Recreation and Parks. And after finishing my internship and working there for a while, um, their program ended, unfortunately. Those things happen. And so I got a, a degree, not a degree, I'm sorry. <laughs> I got a job with the Conejo Valley School District teaching I actually wasn't a teacher, but I was working under a, a um, VI teacher, VI for visually impaired. Uh, I want to make sure we understand those acronyms. And <clears throat> so I was working under the VI teacher, teaching Braille to blind and visually impaired children. Um, and so I did that for about, oh, I guess five or six years. And then... Unfortunately, you guys probably have heard about budget cuts, and those things happen to 
um, all over the place. And so the school district didn't have the funds at the time. So since there were hardly any blind children, um, you guess it, I was laid off. So after a couple of years of sitting around the house, um, those things do happen once in a while, I was able to get a relative of mine to help me go back and work at Northridge Recreation Center. Um, it's, you should always keep your options open. Um, you never know if it's going to be a family member, um, it's going to be a friend, a job that you had before. You just never know um, where your leads will come from, so you should always make sure that you're friendly and um, leave those options open. And so I have now been working back at Northridge Recreation Center for about four years and um, and love my job. So what do I do there? Well, I answer the phones um, is a good portion of my job. I take picnic permit reservations. I um, rent out the gym, uh, basketball gym. I also um, sign people up for classes. Um, you'd be amazed at what a park has for classes. Um, we have Tai Chi, piano, um, just about every and any recreational um, class you can think of. Um, we offer it at our park. Um, we also have child care, and uh, we have preschool and after-school programs, though we're not sure how long those will last because of the budgets. Um, but we have them for now, so I sign uh, help the families sign their kids up for those programs as well. So you're probably wondering, how does he do that? Well, because I'm totally blind, um, I use the the device that I'm actually standing here looking at my notes, reading to you, um, and that's called a Braille note. Um, and so it has a Braille display on it that I'm actually um, running my hands across right now. Um, I am an avid Braille reader and writer, and I'm a firm believer that um, if you if you can and you're totally blind, you should go learn to read Braille um, and use whatever devices that you need, whether it's a Braille note computer, um, desktop computer, um, whether it's taking notes if you can see them, laptop computers, however you can do it, you should... Um, be as marketable as possible. And so I do a lot of my, my information on my Braille note. Um, I keep all of the notes for picnics and so that I know when a reservation is and when we don't take reservations. Um, I have all of the phone numbers to every park in the valley in my Braille note so that if someone calls up and wants to know the phone number for that park, I can give it to them. And very quickly, I just look it up and Hardly anyone knows that I'm looking at my Braille display um, when they come into the office. Um, and when they do realize that there's something different, they want to ask questions, and then they're there for an hour or two. And <laughs> so it's a good way for me to um, to inform the public about disabilities and Braille and uh, assistive computers, as well as I also receive most of the material from my supervisors um, by email. So we communicate a lot by email. Um, so when a brochure comes out for our new classes, my boss sends it to me by by email. And sometimes she forgets, so I have to remind her. <laughs> but um, she doesn't mind that. 
Um, I have all the basketball um, and any other sports that we have. Everything is on my computer so that I have it at my fingertips. Um, and, of course, you know, I, I misplace some, some things sometimes, and that happens. But um, because I'm, I'm usually on top of things, um, you know, my coworkers don't mind helping when they're around. Um, and that's the other thing is you should always... Um, if if you're co if you're working and your coworkers need assistance with something, you should always do your best to help them because you never know when you're going to need assistance from them. So it's a two way street, um, and you always want to keep those opens avenues open so that um, you can receive help when you need it and you can give it when you when they need it. So. Um, you always want to try and be on time. I think some people have said that earlier because um, if you're not on time a lot, then, you know, that goes against you and, and your boss will think, well, maybe I should look for someone who can um, be more on time. So uh, even though I take paratransit sometimes to work, um, I have a family member who picks me up sometimes and I take the bus, I'm always on time. I don't think I've ever been late. So... Um, and that's a good good point to have for you. So um, those are some of the key things that I do. Um, uh, and again, like I said, I, I love my job. It's not exactly in the field that I got my degree in. But remember that sometimes, especially in today's society with the, all the budget cuts and the um, cutbacks and everything, sometimes you have to look at... Um, other jobs that might be either in that line of work or in a different area. Um, if you want to work, um, you need to look at what options you have available and maybe take a job that's in a different field and eventually you'll be able to move over possibly to whatever it is that you want to do. So um, keep that in mind and, um, and I guess that's about it. <clears throat> Does anyone have any questions for me? Or? You know, we shouldn't allow her to ask questions. <laughs> for those who may not know, that's my wife. Um, <clears throat> that's why I was teasing. Um, what I do is when people come into the office, I, um, I actually hand them the book that we have of classes, and they have to look it up. Um, and go through the the book. I tell them where it should be in the book, and then they look it up. And if it is um, still open, then I give them the information that they need to write down in the book. And then from there, we have other registration cards and um, registration forms, and I have make sure that they fill all of those out. And then I take their money, um, that's the fun part. <laughs> and um, uh, and then they're set. Um, I do not give receipts to the patrons when they pay for something through me. Um, we are supposed to give receipts, but typically when they pay for something and I'm there by myself, I do not operate the cash register. So... Um, which is a good thing because if it mess, if someone messes it up, it's not me. Um, and so uh, I just their check is their return receipt, um, their their canceled check, and or if they give cash, I let them put it into an envelope and I seal it, and that way that they know 
um, they've put it in there. And then I've, I'll just write quickly write a hand receipt that says they've paid for uh, a tennis class for $64. So, mm-hmm. anything else? Um, I, the question's been asked, was it discouraging to me when I had to go back to work? Um, I would say probably no, because it, as a blind person, it's just like, you know, just like as a sighted person, sometimes in life we, you know, we, we all would like to work at our job for, uh, for, for 40 years or however long we want to work, but the, the reality is that sometimes it doesn't happen. So, um, I know that in my other jobs that I've had, held before that, well, I've only been laid off from one. Um, and when I was laid off of that job, I know that it wasn't because of my skills. Um, and I guess that kind of helped me a little bit. And when I did look for work again, uh, I didn't have to look very, very long. So for me, it, it didn't take, a, it wasn't a long period of time of looking for work. So I guess in that sense, it was, that's why it wasn't discouraging. So does that answer your question? Okay. Any other questions? Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Robert. And um, so, yeah, you, you guys have heard have heard so far. You know, two different types of work that a blind person can do. Um, so. Now, um, the next person is uh, Rochelle Yohai, and she, um, she actually works as a medical transcriber, and she can tell you, I actually was surprised uh, to find out how long she had been at her work. So, Rochelle? Alrighty. This is that. Okay. Good afternoon. Well, as Raquel said, I've been working as a medical, they now call them medical transcriptionists because the machine that you transcribe from is called the transcriber. And I have been doing it for 35 years. I just went to my 35-year service awards dinner. Uh, I think that this job is kind of going... I don't know if it's going to go completely away or if it's going to take a different turn. But because of new technologies that are out there, it's not going to be what it once was. I started in 1975 at my service awards dinner. They said uh, the song of the year was We Are the World. I forgot what the best picture was, but anyway. Um, I was also uh, a college graduate, and I majored in sociology with a minor in psychology, which got me a bachelor's degree with my name misspelled on it, from Cal State Northridge. (laughs) Um, I sort of started trying to find work in that field, and I really wasn't having any luck. It was, I think, probably uh, an inundated field at the time. Uh, and I happened to go to a rehab seminar 
that the Department of Rehabilitation put on, and that's where I learned about the job of medical transcription. And there was one lady there who was a transcriptionist, and she uh, explained the job, and I thought, this is something I might like to do. So I took a class, and uh, about a year later, I took um, two interviews. One I knew going in had no openings, one hospital. I knew there was no opening. I just wanted the practice. So I did a job interview there. And then there was an opening that came up at Kaiser Permanente. And I um, went in for an interview. They had an on-call position. And I wanted full-time, so I hesitated but then it was likely that that on-call position would work into a full-time position within about six months. And I thought, you know, this looks like a good opportunity. And I can remember at the time my mom thought I should take something else, but I disagreed with her. And I took that position. And I was hired as an on-call. And in about six months it did work into a full-time position because the lady who had that position moved and that position became open as a full-time position. And uh, I've been working there ever since. Uh, when I did my job interview, you know, it was a typical, typical type of interview. They asked questions, where, what was my background, what was my education, you know. Did I, I explained that I had not been, you know, a transcriber before, uh, but I had taken a class and we had done transcribing in the class, it was nothing like when I actually got dictations in the real, you know, setting. We had doctors that I couldn't, it sounded like they were speaking a foreign language, and I would uh, ask somebody who was experienced, you know, who was working there, they would listen to it and knew right off the bat what it was. Well, eventually I acquired the same capability. And um, I think they were open to hiring a blind person because they already had a blind person there who really had good values and did her job well. And so they were open, I think, to hiring another blind person. And one of the things I found out later on, which came to me as a surprise, was the supervisor. I'm in the habit of shaking hands with people when I meet them usually. That was something that impressed her was my handshake. I found that out later on. I would never have guessed that. <laughs> that that had something to do with her uh, wanting to hire me. So in 1975, I actually I think I was hired it, maybe the beginning of 75. And I've been there ever since. And the, as I say now, I think the job may be going away. But the um, or or changing one or the other, uh, with voice recognition out there, they all the hospitals you know seem to want to get that. Uh, it's got its drawbacks, and I don't know if they know yet what kind of drawbacks it's going to have. So basically, if they implement that, they might not have need for maybe one or two transcribers if they have a need for any. So there's an insecurity now that wasn't there before. And, uh, we're, you know, I'm just kind of taking it day by day. 
I'm the most senior one there now, of course, and things do go by seniority, so don't quite know what's going to happen in a year or two. Actually, technically, I could retire if I wanted to, or I could look for some other type of work, and um, I just have to kind of play it by ear. But so far, it's so good, yeah. And as Robert said, you really do want to keep your options open. I had This was not the field I intended to go into either, but it has worked out very well for me. It has very good benefits, and it's a comfortable living, so it has worked out very well. Anybody, any questions? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Depends on the variety of work that I get. Of course, there's certain doctors I do not like to do, but there they are. Can't do anything about them. We have some doctors that I think believe that it's a contest to who can talk the fastest and the sloppiest. They must be a prize somewhere for them. I'm not kidding. I wish I could bring some examples, but there are. And there are, I would say maybe... 80% of them are, you know, not real great. About 20% of them, I'd say, are probably, you know, there's a couple, few that are really, really good, and they're careful, and they spell things, and they make sure you know what they mean, and then the rest of them just <laughs> muddle through, and then you muddle through. Because after a while, the, the, the scary thing is that after a while, you know what they're saying, even when it's unintelligible. So... <laughs> So some doctor can say something, and, and somebody else would, who wasn't a transcriber would probably not understand it. And, I mean, it would just sound like mush. And the scary thing is that we know what it is. <laughs> and I think they count on that. <laughs> Transcribing and what? No, those are all different. But... Transcribing and coding and billing. He wanted to know if they were all the same. No. They're completely different fields. In fact, coders make a lot more money than we do. Transcribers do a lot more. <laughs> and uh, I don't know about billing, but transcribing is typing the reports that the doctor dictates that, that go into the patient's chart. So the history and physical, the operation report, the uh, uh, consultation reports, um, radiology is, uh, we don't do radiology. Blind transcribers at our hospital don't transcribe radiology. I think they're trying to figure out a way so that we can, but because uh, it's on some, some system that they operate with the mouse, uh, and it, before that it was on actually, on the actual, uh, um, not the films, but the, the requisition. The, they would type it on. So that was not really feasible for us to do. Um, and so now they have it all on computer, but it functions with the mouse. So they haven't figured out a way yet for us to do it, but I think they're looking into that. So radiology reports, um, any type of... Um, um, sometimes the doctor will do a chart note. If there was an incident or if there was a uh, something unusual that he'll dictate a note to document it. All of that is uh, we transcribe. Uh, what kind of accommodations? They have been very good about providing accommodations, and we have a computer that uses JAWS, 
and um, they've even just recently upgraded us to JAWS 11, and they've put in a new computer, which has some funny little glitches. I could swear one day it came on and said EM, uh, PMS message. <laughs> okay, my computer has PMS. <laughs> I don't know what that was. I don't know. Every so often it comes up with very strange little messages, and then they disappear, or nobody else can see them, and you're like, but I heard that. It comes up with something that says, Big Fix Support Center. And all that does is freeze it. You can't exit out of it. It tells you how to exit out of it, but if you do what it tells you, it doesn't exit out of it. <laughs> and sometimes it just does crazy things. P. Panorama City. Oh, I remember him, yeah. Yeah, uh, oh, I think he, in the very beginning, yeah. And then it was Ken. Yeah. So they had a couple, and now, of course, I, it's all on, um, uh, what? What is that? On CD-ROM? Or microfilm or something. I don't know what it's on. <laughs> it's on something. Not like it used to be. It's all computerized now. When we type something, it goes into their Health Connect system and is part of the electronic record. And I think, I really think maybe I have another couple years and uh, that, that might work out. I'm trying to go for two years, you know. Yes. Yes. Uh, they do, I believe they do, though they're supposed to review them. He was asking if the uh, physicians review and edit the notes. They certainly can, and I think they're supposed to. I'm not sure they always do. Because I found out not too long ago, we have these, um, we have something that's called ESP, and basically, to make a long story short, is like you could type out three letters and it types out the whole thing. So instead of typing diabetes mellitus, I might type DBM and it types diabetes mellitus. Well, if you put in the wrong one, of course, it's going to type something that you don't want in the report. And so I didn't find this out until several reports and the doctor never brought it to anybody's attention. We found it out by accident. I had typed a, a an ESP that I thought meant one thing and it meant something, said something else and it was completely unrelated and the doctor never corrected it. We found it out accidentally and I simply took it out and changed it so that that could not happen again. But the doctor never did anything about it. So they're supposed to. I had a way, way back I had uh, typed a memo, and it was supposed to go to the members of the Infectious Disease Committee, and I had somehow typed to the embers of the Infectious Disease Committee. And the doctor took it out. He saw it. This, this one did look at his work. He saw it, and he took out his pen, he was going to put an M on it, and, and the lady who showed it, who was there said, oh, I, we can type that in, and he said, no, it's okay. Anyway, he said, some of them are kind of fizzled out anyway. So, 
I do collect medical bloopers. Yeah, like when doctors misstructure a sentence and it says something completely different than they think they said, like, the patient was walking back to the bathroom and fell to the floor with the assistance of her husband. Things like that. I collect those. <laughs> Hope I get enough someday to publish. Any other questions? She wants, she asked if I have a very extensive medical vocabulary. Yes. I know physiology terms. I know medications, you know, pharmaceuticals. I know a bit of anatomy. And at, after you've been doing the job a while, that's kind of how you know yeah, what the doctor is saying. Because if he says something and it sounds like something but it doesn't fit, and you know enough about, you know, well, he's doing an operation on the hip and the, he said the metacarpal, that's not going to fit. That's in your hand. So you get that, you get that working knowledge. But it takes a while to develop that. Anyone else? Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Rochelle. Um, so now you guys have have heard um, someone who is a medical transcriber, someone who is a customer service representative, and someone who's uh, Robert. Can I call you a secretary? <laughs> no, you know he does the job like a secretary. So there's there's really a lot of uh, you know, different kind of jobs, different kind of careers that you can get into. And um, it just really depends on what you're looking for, what you want to do, what your skills are, what do you think you can offer. Um, it's my turn to talk and to share my, my experience. Again, my name is Raquel Desipira. And currently, I am a program coordinator for the Volunteer Center of Los Angeles. Um, and let me just go back a little bit. When I first came to the United States, um, before I left the Philippines, I was studying for the um, to get my degree in, in uh, music. I was studying to get my um, Bachelors in, in music. Um, in the Philippines, a lot of times, you know, um, for people who are blind, many, many times, um, the only, uh, job opportunity that's usually available for a blind person is either you become a teacher, um, you go into music, uh, you become a social worker, Unlike here in the U.S., in the, in the United States, there's, there are all kinds of um, career that you can uh, get into. So when I got here, I told myself, I, I was studying for my, you know, for music, but then really, do I really want to do that? Is there really going to be money in music? So I said, no, I don't think so. I, I did not really want to be a, a concert uh, pianist or, or anything like that. I did not think that there's, there will be a lot of money in, in that. So I had to really pretty much start all over. 
um, think again, what do I really want to do? And actually, I, I had explored um, the medical transcribing profession. Um, at that time, you know, when I, when I first got here, I, I um, went to, a, uh, to the Cleveland Site Center to learn my independent living skills. Um, that was 20 years ago. <laughs> and then... Um, and then from there, I said, okay, now I, I have done my independent living skills. I have learned my independent living skills. What do I want to do? What kind of work do I want to do? Um, and so I just decided, you know, I heard that, okay, uh, medical transcription is available for the blind. Um, you know, it's a profession that, that typically blind people um, go into here, here in the U.S. So I enrolled for that class. Um, uh, I think I was only like a semester um, away from graduating and then I decided I don't think that's really what I want to do. Um, and I found that out uh, sometime in 1994 I went back home to the Philippines to go on uh, to take a few months vacation and but then, three weeks after being there and supposed to be on vacation, I got so bored. So I decided. So I asked a few friends who are you know in the blind community, and I know that they were working. There was a uh, disabled computer center there, and I, I had some friends there. And I said, "Hey, can I come in? Um, you know, to volunteer at your organis at your um, center." And so. So they said, yeah, you know, come in. Um, I don't know what I was going to do there. I, you know, I wasn't sure, but I said maybe, maybe I can volunteer as a receptionist, you know, to help answer the phones or something like that. So I did. I, I did go, um, and, um, you know, I, I offered my help in, in um, answering the telephone. And um, I was actually, I actually was there for... I ended up being in the Philippines for six months uh, doing that, just volunteering. And that's when I realized that, ah, I think this is the kind of job that I want to do, to um, work in an office, be a receptionist, be a secretary, or something like that. So, um, so when I came back to the U.S., I decided... I am not going to finish my medical transcription anymore. Um, like I said earlier, I was six months away from graduating or, you know, for, from getting my certificate, but I decided, no, I, that's not really what I, um, I don't think I, I see myself doing that. And besides, um, my hearing problems, you know, my hearing disability was getting, you know, more advanced. And it's really getting tough to hear the doctors. I mean, you know, I, 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 I took that class, the medical transcription class at the West Valley Occupational Center, and part of that class, that you know, part of the course that you have to take, you, you, you were doing some practice transcribing. And um, Rochelle was right. There are some doctors there that, hi, you could hardly understand. <laughs> so... So I said, no, I don't think I, you know, I'm not going to do that. So I, so I went to, 
Braille Institute. I um, I took their learning learning center classes. I I brushed up more on my computer skills. Um, and you know, um, and at that time, I was working with a job counselor. And um, one day, she said to me, because you know, we've been we've been applying at different places. She helped me create my resume and all that. And then one day, she told me, "Why don't you try volunteering?" Um, so I said, "Volunteering." I'm not sure if that's really what I want to do because, you know, I I want to. I want to earn money. I want to get a job. Um, so volunteering, that's not going to pay. So um, so I said, I'm, I'm not really sure if that's really what I want to do, but I, I guess I could try. So the first, it, you know, the, the organization that I, that she referred me to was the American Red Cross in Burbank. And um, so I was supposed to be there to help answer the phones and um, but then when I got there their system is pretty much automated <laughs> so there's really not much answering phones to do and um, so what I ended up doing was just doing like collating papers um, you know and things like that so um, probably the person who's in charge of volunteers there, she probably realized that maybe I'm getting bored or something like that um, because I was not really doing what I went there to do. Um, she said, um, maybe you, you should go to the Volunteer Center of Los Angeles and um, they could help you, you know, find another volunteer opportunity um, you know, at, at another organization. So I did. I did go there. Um, I know it's at sometime in August. Um, so I, I I went there for an interview. And so I told the vo- the volunteer coordinator that what I want to do is to you know to be a receptionist to answer phones. And then so they said, oh. You know, actually, I know I told them, you know, if you can find, if they can help me find a place. And they said, oh, actually, you know, maybe you can volunteer with us here, you know, help us answer the phone. And so I said, oh, yeah, sure, you know, that would would be good. So um, I actually ended up volunteering for for them for a year and a half. And... um, I was there, I, I, I knew I was just a volunteer, but you know, I treated that position as if I am being paid. Um, I was there every day, I hardly miss work. Um, uh, I, you know, the center is usually open from nine, you know, 8.30 to five o'clock and I'm pretty much there all day. And um, so I was there for, a year and a half and until um, my job counselor at Braille told me, oh, there's an opening at a telemarketing uh, company. Would you like to try being a telemarketer? So this one is going to be a paid job. So 
I did that. I, I went, I, I did that telemarketing position for six months. And then, um, I realized that telemarketing, telemarketing is not for me. <laughs> um, so I left that job. And, um, so now I said, okay, now what am I going to do again? <laughs> now I, I, I don't have work. Um, where do I, where, you know, where, where do I go now? And, um, you know, as when, for me at that time, I was really, uh, I was really, you know, for, for, for what, you know, when I lost that job, I, I was really depressed and I said, okay, so what, what could I do now? So I, I decided, I said, okay, maybe I will just go back to volunteering again. I will go back to the volunteer center, um, and, and, uh, volunteer again, but at the same time, oh, who knows, maybe they have some opening there too. I, you know, I will just go and ask. So, um, I went and, you know, I got there and of course a lot of people, all the people there already know me and, you know, they were all happy to see me. And so, um, they said, okay, so why are you here? You know, what's, what's going on? I said, oh, I'm looking for work. Um, I wonder if I can volunteer here again, or if you guys, if, do, is there any opening? Uh, you know, right now, can, do you guys know? And then they, the, uh, one of the receptionists said, actually, you know what? There is an opening. Why don't you talk to Jim? Jim Leahy was the executive director at the time of the volunteer center. And, you know, why don't you go and ask him and, and see, um, about that position. And, um, so I did, I, I went into his office and asked him about, you know, um, I told him I'm looking for work and if there's, you know, I want to know if there's an opening here. If not, I'd be willing to volunteer again. And then she, he said that actually there is, there is an opening because one of the receptionists, cause they had two receptionists at, at the front desk there. One of them, her husband is sick and she has to take, um, some time off. And so maybe you can, you can take that position. So I said, Oh, well, you know, that's great. That's good. So right then and there, they interviewed me and they said, okay, come back tomorrow. We will have you fill out the paperwork. And that tomorrow was October 8th. 1997. So now I have been there at the volunteer center for 13 years. And, um, and, uh, as, as I've said, it started with volunteering. I guess one of the things I, I'm thinking that one of the things that, that she did not hesitate to hire me is because she already knew me. I was there for a long time. She already knew my work ethics and, and, and how dedicated I am at my job. So she did not hesitate to give me that position. So essentially what I, you know, what I really want to, to, to say to you guys, 
I know um, we are all wanting to get a job. We are all wanting to get paid. But um, there are times, especially being visually impaired, uh, even though we are already in 2010, really a lot of employers still really don't know what we as blind people can do, what we can offer, um, how we can help them with, you know, um, uh, how we can help them uh, achieve, you know, like um, meet their mission and vision, you know, of, of the organization or the corporation. And so, um, I always tell people, if you're looking for work and you can't find anything at the moment, um, go volunteer. You know, Robert and, and Carissa and um, Rochelle, they all had their degree. I actually do not have my degree yet. I'm working on that right now. Um, I'm going to school, aside from working full-time, I, I, I do my schoolwork at night. I, I enrolled at the University of Phoenix online degree program. And so, you know, they have, they have that education. They, they have that degree, and they kind of knew what they, they are looking for. But if you are a person who's also not sure yet what you really want to do and what you really want, what you, what, what you really can do, what can you really share to the prospective employers? I think volunteering is a good way of finding out and discovering yourself. Um, with volunteering, you will get to meet a lot of people that, who knows, eventually will help you get that job or that position that you're, you've been dreaming of. Um, volunteering, for me, I always say volunteering is a, is a way for us to show to the public, to the employers, that we as blind persons, we are very capable. We are just like anyone else out there. The only difference that between us and them is we have limited vision. We have to do things in different ways. Um, you know, if they can, you know, the computer, they access the computer using their site for us, thanks to the technology, we access the computer um, using a screen reading program. So we are just like anyone else out there um, who deserve a chance to contribute to the to the society, to to um, to the community, 
and also earn a living so we can support our family. So the other thing that I, I wanted to share with you guys, you know, I, I just heard recently from a, a speaker that we just had at work recently, uh, some actually sometime this week. Um, the other thing that we always have to remember when we are applying for a job, it's, it's not what is just written in our resume, what our education background are and, and what skills we have, but we also have to, um, learn. Not, well, not really learn, but the other thing that, that, um, would really help us get in that door is to have confidence to show to the employers that we are very capable. So with that, um, do, you have, do you guys have any questions? Thank you. So like I said, remember, we are, we, we are all equal here. What you need to know when you're looking for work is you have to think for yourself, what is it that I really want to do that I think I can do, that I know I can contribute? That is what you have to tell and what you have to convey to the employers.